This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 419 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Equestrian Collections and you, our auditors. This week coming up, we meet Meg, who is the COO of the Colorado Horse Park, and we're going to be doing a listener meetup there in a couple of weeks. Also, we have Auditor Ben Goldberg is here for our listener of the week. Another guy. Thank you very much. And then we head off to the Equestrian Collections Tack and Habit segment where Chantel reviews a Perry's Premium Leather Halter. All of that coming up on today's show. Welcome to the Stable School. With weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They bring you the news through hail or high water while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop, cause it's time again for Stable School. Stable scoop. Stable scoop. Stable scoop. I'm Glenn Geek. And I'm Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Well, hello, everybody. Thank you so much for stopping by. I have exciting news for everyone. And you're pregnant. No, no. Oh. More exciting. Uh, okay. Debbie scored the celebrity guest. Debbie Laux from the Horsemanship Radio Show scored the celebrity guest of the month. And she recorded it the other day. Uh, we're going to be playing it on the Horses in the Morning show on Friday of this week. So it'll be the episode for the for the 2nd of September. Uh, and she talked to Priscilla Presley, Elvis's daughter. Wow. Yes. Are they talking about banning the big lick? Yes, they're talking about that and also growing up with that and horses and all of that stuff. So apparently they had about a half an hour conversation. I was not there. Jennifer produced it. So she wanted to play it on Friday's show because there's a lot going on with the big lick right now. Yep. And uh, we, you know, obviously everybody that's listened to the shows knows we're opposed to that. So uh, she is as well, but it, it, the conversation was more than that. It was, you know, it was a little bit about horses when she was a kid and all of that stuff too. Yeah. So how cool is that? Debbie Looking scored the big one. She scored the big one. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Now arranging it apparently was a feat. Uh, they went back and forth and back and forth with agents and <laughs> all kinds of stuff. I bet. But, but she got it done, and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing it too. I haven't heard it yet either. So good awesome. job, Debbie. Way to go. Way to go. <clears throat> you had you talked about on the show a while back this new app that had come out, and you had highlighted it on your other show, on oh, that God. Newport show, and it was a party app. And you had one. Tell us about what that was like. Tell I us what cannot it was. even. Well, I'll tell you, um, it's going to be a race to who gets the Yacht Me results out faster because that Newport show, we, we taped it uh, yesterday and, and hopefully the show will go live on Thursday. Um, and, and, and in it, Buck and I gush about our Yacht Me party. And that's well, the app, right? Yacht Me? The app is Yacht Me, Y O T. 
and then the word M-E. The word yacht, Y-O-T, is from the Old English meaning to unite closely. It has nothing to do with boats. Oh. Hmm. So um, you download the app to your phone. It's free. It works on iOS and Droid. And essentially, you it's, it's a collection of private parties and folks who attend these parties or who want to attend. And you can attend um, parties that are thrown by people you know and parties that are thrown by people you don't know. And there's all different kinds of of themes to the parties. Some are just backyard barbecues. Some of them are product launch parties. Some of them have to do with uh, hobbies or passions that people share like yoga or horses. And so you you go to the app and you uh, set up a profile for yourself, very similar to the way you would on Facebook or LinkedIn. And then you type in your zip code and you look for parties near you. And if the photos and the people throwing the party and the description seems like it's appealing to you, you press a little button called join request and you essentially ask to be invited to these parties. Now, the folks who are throwing the party, the hosts, will take a look at your profile and they may ask you a few questions about yourself. And if it seems like you might be a good fit, then they'll go ahead and invite you to the party. And let me tell you something. And so Buck and I had Barry Hinckley, the founder of the show, on on that Newport show about a month or so ago. And he got us so juiced up about this thing. We thought, all right, let's just give it a try. Let's, let's see. Now, I'm the skeptic, you know. And uh, But your place the, is kind of made for parties, too, your, your, your farm. It's kind it of made, made for, for parties. parties, yeah. It is. It's a, it's a beautiful location. We really don't have to do much in order for people to enjoy, you know, the, the surroundings. It's kind of like a park. Um, so you know, all I have to do is mow it and shovel and yeah, you know, yeah, all, all that, that. Stuff. you know, you know, actually but, clean um, the house. Uh, so we had a small party of about 30 people. Small party. <laughs> yeah. Well, some of them can get, in my view, that was kind of small and I'm not used to throwing parties. Um, but Buck grilled some fresh fish that we got right out of the New England waters here. And we made, um, side dishes that were all vegetables from our garden. So we had... Um, black, well, the black beans weren't, but it was black bean and corn salad. We had tomato cucumber salad. We had pasta with uh, kale that we grow in our garden. And uh, then for dessert, we just roasted marshmallows over a big fire pit. And um, the Yachtme company actually provided the bar, all the wine and spirits for this. It was part of an agreement that we had to sort of throw this party together. And what a bar they set up. Let me tell you, it was beautiful. Hmm. And people would just come. So, you know, they parked in, in my, my front field and they came walking up to the area where we had the party all set up and we had paper lanterns hanging and I had candles and mason jars all set get, out. Like, little name tags? How do people know each other? You So Buck and I as the host... As do you hold up your arrive, phones with your name on them or... No. Oh, okay. Here's the thing about Yachtme parties and Yachtme people. Essentially, everybody wants to meet someone new. So you definitely need to have a little bit of an outgoing personality to come to these things because 50% of the guests will know each other and the other 50% nobody will know. And so you really need to be willing to go into a party and introduce yourself and say hi and either be join a conversation or start a conversation. And I thought that would be kind of difficult for people, but I was totally surprised. There was there wasn't a dull moment in the party. There was, I would say, oh, so-and-so, did you meet so-and-so? And they're like, yep, we already did. We have this in common. And then anytime someone new would step into a conversation, 
the folks who were already talking would welcome those people into the conversation. It was such a warm, uh, comfortable energy. I, I was really surprised and it absolutely exceeded my expectations. I can't stop saying enough about this. No drunk uncles? Nope, no drunk uncles. Well, what happens is in the app, once you attend a party, the other folks who were there, they rate you afterwards. Uh, so if you're a freeloader just looking for free booze and food? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, if, that's, if, if it's that obvious, then you, you'll actually get kicked off the app. You know, or that's if you good. do, if you do something that's really egregious, you'll, you'll get the boot, but, um, people can vouch for you, you know, other party goers, they can say, yeah, I know Helena, she's great. So there is a level of accountability in the app. You can't just show up at someone's event and be a doofus. That sounds like it would be perfect if we had a horsey one. I, that's what I said to Buck. I'm like, can you imagine if we, it, can you imagine you're being, you're a horse person in, I don't know, Kansas somewhere or Pennsylvania and or you, Ocala, you, you know, or Ocala yeah. and you're like, let's do it. It would be awesome for like group trail rides yeah, or yeah. tailgates, potluck parties uh, at somebody's farm, barn parties. It'd be great for uh, tailgates down here at all the horse shows. Yeah. yeah. And if you host a party, you don't necessarily have to pay for everything. It's perfectly appropriate to ask your guests to bring a dish or even to contribute financially. Like, you know what? If you can contribute $10, that would be great. And if you can't, that's not a problem. But um, so there really is nothing off limits. You know, you can have a party, like if you just have the space, but you don't have the cash to really buy food and drink and stuff like that. Everybody has an opportunity to contribute. It's such a great idea. Very cool. And what's it called again? Yacht Me. Y-O-T-M-E. And you can find out all about it. If you go to that newportshow.com, I have all kinds of links. And we're going to put pictures because the Yacht Me folks hired a professional photographer to come to our farm. So as soon as those are ready, we're going to oh, put cool. them up. And on did you get pony show. rides? No, but what I did do is we grow... To get Brody out there taking pony rides. We grow carrots in our garden. So we pulled up uh, these fresh carrots with the greens still attached, and I tied them in little bundles with ribbon. And if anybody wanted to go and feed the horses carrots, they were available to oh, do they that. Did the, the horses loved that, I bet. Oh, Brody was like the star of the freaking show. I bet oh, he was. Yeah. He was... First of all, this is a horse who doesn't let me touch his face. There were like people kissing him and like, you know, <laughs> smooching his lips and stuff. And he just stood stock still for this wow. little brat. <laughs> that does sound like fun. Look at you, yeah. our little party animal at the Horse Radio Network. I know. Our socialite. I know. That's very cool. Well, let's do this. Speaking of socialites, we're heading to Colorado here next week, and we're looking forward to a little vacation. I rented a cabin in the woods without any internet or anything. Oh, my God. So that'll be fun. Um, we're going to be yeah, hiking in the Without any internet? Did you bring booze? Are you bringing booze? <laughs> and Betty Faye's going to take our listener out there. One of our listeners in Colorado is going to take Jennifer out on a trail ride. So that is going to be fun, and uh, I'm going to get to meet Minnie Sarah. So we've got a lot going on. And one of the things we're going to do out there is a meetup at the Colorado Horse Park. And now we have Meg, the COO of the Colorado Horse Park, to tell us all about it. Hi, Meg. Welcome to the show. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to be making my first trip to Colorado. We're going out there on vacation. And my wife and I are so excited to be meeting some of our listeners and fellow hosts at the at the Colorado Horse Park at your place. And, you know, a Colorado Horse Park has just grown like crazy. I know you're, you're part of the whole Tryon family now. Uh, and we ta- actually talked to Mark Bellissimo the other day after they made the bid for the WAG on the on our morning show, and that was kind of fun hearing all about what might happen, and that's right up the street from us here in Florida. But tell us about the Colorado Horse Park. Absolutely. Um, the Horse Park is one of the largest venues, equestrian venues west of the Mississippi. Um, a large percentage of, our, of the equestrian competitor that would come and compete at our events comes from the west, central U.S., Midwest, um, and, and the south. So we do attract a lot of the the Western equestrian market. The venue has been around since the early 1990s, and our company acquired it um, at the beginning of 2015. So since then, we've been putting a lot of work into improving the footing, replacing. We've done half of the competition rings so far. We've done a lot of improvement on the cross-country turf, uh, building new jumps and questions from, from that perspective. And now we've had a great season in 2016 and we're looking into 2017 and our expansion and adding, potentially adding a CDI, um, increasing again the the CCI and hopefully more FEI show jumping events down the road. Yeah. And you've been. Wow. So that's, so that's all English disciplines. All English at the moment. I'm working with the um, Western competitive trail group. I'd like to start uh, running some events and clinics in that regard. Uh, so we're looking at doing that next year and hopefully eventually getting into more of the Western disciplines that are complementary to Well, you to have a large right Western, uh, you have a large Western population there in Colorado too. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. A lot of um, quarter horses, taints, breed, and then of course your rodeo, cowboy, cow cutting, et cetera. Yeah. A very large rodeo happens there every January uh, in, <laughs> yeah. in Denver. Yep. <laughs> so how far out of Denver are you? Um, we're about a 30-minute drive south of Denver. Uh, Denver's growing. Um, there is uh, new housing developments popping up left and right, even where we are. The town that we're in is called Parker, um, and it is very fast-growing as well. Um, the venue itself is in Douglas County, which is the sixth um, uh, largest growing, most successful county in the United States at this time. So would somebody coming to the park, if they were spectating or accompanying a competitor, would they fly into Denver? Yeah, flying into Denver. We're also a 30-minute drive from the Denver airport. Perfect. Okay. Very convenient. Yeah. And now you, you're you're obviously part of this, uh, uh, one of four parks now, and Wellington is one of those, and that's the one that a lot of people have heard about. Uh, And I've been down there many times. And what's interesting, and I'm sure that's happening at the Colorado Horse Park too, is that there's an infrastructure being built around the park now uh, to to obviously cater to, to the riders and to everything involved in the horse park. Is that happening where you are as well? Yeah, it definitely is starting both from our perspective and, and building and growing our venue, but also we're seeing more people um, announcing their intention to buy an equestrian property nearby. And that's very exciting. It's exciting for Douglas County and also for the Mayor Parker, who the, everybody sees as the area is growing so rapidly with residential um, expansion. 
the county and surrounding areas are really looking to keep a lot of the natural open space, the equestrian connection to them. That's a very important part of their, their history. So we are starting to already see that in the surrounding area around the park. What are you hearing from competitors uh, who have spent some time competing at the, the park? What kinds of feedback are you getting from them in terms of the changes that you've made? Um, we've had a lot of great uh, feedback this year. Everybody has been very excited about seeing the growth that we've done. The footing work that we have done already on the property is probably the best in this part of the United States, and people recognize that. Um, we've also worked really hard to have a great customer experience. You know, competitive sport is um, it's a lifestyle. It's a hobby for, for many of the people that compete. So we want to make sure that they're having fun and at the same time, competing at a, an efficient and successful competition. So we've had a lot of really good feedback in that regard. Um, everybody has also expressed interest and support in our continuing growth and adding more dates, hopefully adding you know more international FEI-rated events as well. I know one of the things that is important um, is a venue being considered competitor-friendly. So a lot of people do show up at, to their events with a posse and gear, you know, of course the horses. And so what kinds of things have you incorporated into the park to make it more competitor friendly besides the footing? Because that's like, you know, the Holy grail of yep. venues, which yep. thank goodness, but what other things would, um, you know, upper level competitors expect or, um, be pleasantly surprised by when they get there? Good food. Do you have good food? See, uh, that's, that's what start. I'm looking for. See, Dude, that's, that's a start. <laughs> Um, I was kind of setting you up for that. I know you were. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) We took an approach to look at um, the customer experience from a lot of different angles, whether it was from the the competition itself, the friendliness or the attitude of the staff, whether it's your show office or your jump crew or the hospitality staff um, that can often get overlooked at an equestrian event. So that was a really big focus. Um, also, we had a very open avenue for feedback. We conducted a lot of um, digital surveys, requested information, and were often able to react very quickly if someone said, oh, the X, you know, X or Y is not up to par. We could then turn around and make it up to par in a few days. And I think that that listening to people and reacting to that, I think, was very positive. And then at a very simple level, um, we did free pizza parties, free ice cream socials, just little things to give back that maybe was not expected. I know from the press point of view, you guys at all the parks have been terrific about any time I've requested anything uh, you've accommodated and you're very press friendly, which isn't always true. And I never quite understood that because, you know, we're we're, kind of your friends. We're out there getting the word out about about what you do to a populace that may not hear it otherwise. And and I never got that. But I've never you know, we've we've never had a problem. We've been down to Wellington. We've done our morning show ringside a couple of times which has been a blast. It's just always been a pleasure to deal with you. That's wonderful. That's great to hear. You know, and I just, as I said, I've never gotten why other places aren't that way. It's like free advertising people take it. I um, have a couple <laughs> ideas, but that wouldn't be right for this yeah. show. <laughs> we have to have a different rating. All right, now on to the important <laughs> stuff. A listener meetup. We're doing a listener meetup. This is going to be September 17th. Jennifer and I are coming out to the Colorado Horse Park that day. It's cross-country day of an event you're having, right? Correct. 
Absolutely. Um, the event is the three-day event in horse trials. Uh, it is also the Area 9 Championships. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. All right, cool. So this is on the 17th. It's a Saturday. We're going to have a couple of hosts from the Horse Radio. Kim Baker is going to try and come out. You remember Kim? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Kim's going to try and come out. Christy Landwehr from the Certified Horsemanship Association show is going to try and uh, get out there. Jennifer and I will be there. I know we have some listeners heading out as well. So if you're listening and you're anywhere in the area or can get to the area and want to spend a day with us hanging out at the cross-country course at the Colorado Horse Park, definitely do that. We're going to meet at 11 o'clock. Now, well, we'll explain to everybody why there's a festival going on that day, too. We're having to pick a good day, didn't we? You picked a great day. Um, that is the day of our fall family festival. We had a family festival in June. It was very successful. Um, had live music, um, fun for all all ages in the family, so adults with the beer tent and, and the live music, and then kids with pony rides, um, activities, um, etc., and then we're also doing a few new things for the fall festival. Uh, one of them are tailgate spots. And we're also doing something that I don't know if it has ever been done before, but we've called it the Cross Country Safari. And it is um, a ticketed event where uh, participants get in a UTV golf cart and travel around with a guided um, expert in cross country and go from question to question, kind of back into the heart of the of the course itself and get kind of an inside scoop on, on what's happening. That's very cool. Awesome. Is, is this course set up? A lot of courses, you can only see one or two jumps at a time and you, you know, you, you walk 12 miles. Is this one set up so that you can see more than one or two at a time? Yeah, our course is very unique. Um, the festival itself is in the center of the entire course. And because the course is um, on a sloping hill, you can actually see three quarters of the entire thing from one location. So you can oh, see the start cool. box. You can see the horses where they, you know, go across the prairies and up the hills. And then there are little parts where they disappear down into the woods and so forth, which you can only see um, if you're on the cross country safari. But otherwise, you can have a great view from one location. Oh, that's very cool. Very cool. Well, I'm so excited. Uh, Everybody, if you want to meet us there, it is, again, it is September the 17th. It's a Saturday. We're going to meet at 11 o'clock at the festival at the Pony Rides. We thought that would be, well, it's easy to remember. We're just going to meet at the Pony Rides. Uh, Not because I'm going to take a pony ride, but just because we're going to meet there. And that's where we'll start our day, have some lunch, watch some cross country, and just have some fun. And we're looking forward. I hope that uh, we get to meet you while we're out there. Absolutely. I will be there. Cool. We'll definitely look for you. And thank you so much for coming on. What's the website? It is uh, coloradohorsepark.com. Very good. Thanks, Meg. Thanks, Meg. All right. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Hi, Glenn here from the Horse Radio Network, and I am with Debbie from Equestrian Collections with Equestrian Collections Product of the Week. This week, I'm talking about the Composite Colored Premium Stirrup Irons. These things jumped out at me when we first got them because of all the colors that they come in. They're a composite stirrup, and that's all the new rage in stirrups right now because they are very, very light. I think the eventers would particularly like this stirrup because it is so light and because of all the colors. It comes in two sizes, four inch and four and three quarters, and the colors are like royal blue, bright green, lime green, yellow, orange, pink, light blue, all those kind of colors 
um, that you can match your outfits, or if you're an inventor, you can match your uh, your the outfit that you wear when you compete. We also sell uh, the stirrup the fillings on the bottom of the stirrup separately so that you don't always have to have the same color. I have a pair of these, and what I liked about them besides the color was the fact that they were very, very light. Um, you felt like um, you, it, just, it just felt really good. You can run the stirrups up, and you're not going to mess up your, your saddle at all with those. They're just really nice composite stirrups in very bright colors. I think they're a real fun uh, item to get and a real fun gift to give. And uh, for, for the price, under 30 bucks, you can't beat that. You could have uh, one of every color. Well, exactly. Um, my colors are uh, royal blue for one horse and orange for the other, so I intend to get the orange ones and the blue ones. <laughs> there you go. Well, you can find them at equestriancollections.com. Just search for colored stirrups and they'll come up. And next up is our listener of the week, Ben Goldberg, is joining us, one of our terrific auditors. It is the year of the listener. And now, our Stable Scoop Listener of the Week. Hey, Ben, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So good of you to join us on the Year of the Listener. Ben is one of our terrific auditors. And first of all, thank you so much for being an auditor. We appreciate that. It's a privilege to do that. Well, Helena appreciates it every once a month when she gets her check. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't appreciate it that much. <laughs> and actually, the amount keeps growing all the time because uh, the, the hosts, a lot of people don't know that the hosts get a percentage of that. So, uh, And that amount grows every month. So we're, we, we do appreciate our auditors. Ben, where are you from? I'm originally from Brooklyn, um, New York, oh, wow. but uh, now I live in Pennsylvania. And you're in northeast Pennsylvania? Yeah, it's kind of um, at the uh, tip of New York, uh, Catskill border, and um, by the Endless Mountain region. That's pretty up there. Yeah, that's like New Milford area. No, what's that? Port Jervis is in the New York side. Yeah, I'm uh, by Monticello, New York, and Scranton, Pennsylvania. Oh, Oh, yeah. Okay, so even further up, up. Okay, got it. Yeah. Been up that way a few times, having lived in Pennsylvania, up there, up there for vacations. So it's a wonderful place to live. Now, is it a horsey area? Not necessarily. No, it's more of a uh, rural area. It has some horses and cows and pigs, and um, but it's not really a horsey area. No. So how do you and you you have a business there, right? Uh, you have a farm there. Yeah, my family and I uh, run a small family farm that uh, teaches therapeutic riding and able-bodied people. Oh, wow. So you are you PATH? Yes, I'm a PATH advanced instructor. Now, I think I've been an instructor certified for about 10, 15 years and recently got advanced uh, now, certified about two years ago. For people that don't know, talk about PATH a little bit. Well, PATH is uh, the new acronym for PATH is called the Professional Association for Therapeutic Horsemanship. Mm. Um, it's the uh, national uh, certification board that um, makes sure that the riding instructors are teaching at a standard and the facilities that teach it uphold certain standards. It used to be called NARA, which was called the yeah. North American Riding for the Handicapped. Um, 
And I think about two years ago, they changed the name to fit because I think it's international now, not just Canada, North America. What kind of students do you have in your PATH program? Uh, I have all kinds of students. Um, I like to say that I teach uh, all kinds of people. Um, Some of the students uh, have uh, more outgoing, observable um, challenges, and some of them have um, less observable challenges. So it's cognitive, emotional, physical challenges. Challenges from autism to people with stroke to multiple sclerosis to um, age, um, some older adults that are like in the 60s and 70s that are writing, um, really across the board. Now, one of the things I keep hearing about about the therapeutic programs, one of the groups that keeps getting mentioned that does so well is the autistic, especially autistic kids. Have you found that too? Yeah, um, I I think um, so many people benefit from therapeutic writing. And I think that there's recently been a surge of people with autism that are writing. Um, when I first started teaching, most of my clients were multiple sclerosis adults and um, more physically um, challenged. And now it seems to be that largest population is kids with autism. Um, there's extremely amount of benefits, not just phys- uh, cognitively, but physical as well, um, helping them. I think a lot of people with autism have a li- have a disassociation with some space and um, interacting with their own bodies and with um, their motor skills. And the horseback riding really, I believe, mostly improves their motor skills, which then helps them to speak and um, communicate with people. Do you have, um, what kind of horses that do you have in the barn and where do you typically find them? Do they do they usually come sort of therapeutic ready or is there some work that you have to do with them before you can, because you, you have such a broad and diverse group of students. Uh, I would imagine it would be challenging to find horses that could fit all of those needs. Well, I'm a come through teaching therapeutic writing in a little different Avenue. Um, I come through teaching therapeutic writing basically as a horseman and a horse trainer. Um, so the horses that I use in my program are used in able-bodied riding and um, show riding, and they also do therapeutic riding. So uh, I have uh, eight-year-old thoroughbreds that have been a year or two off the track, and I have uh, some older 20-some-year-old horses that I use. Um, I really like, I work one-on-one with my horses. Um, I feed them, turn them out, train them, take care of them, and do a lot of stuff with them, not just teaching therapeutic writing. So I'm really accustomed to um, their behaviors and their mannerisms to make sure that it's safe. So I, I really honestly believe that all horses can be used in therapeutic um, purposes if they're done with a good horseman that um, is aware about their um, movement, um, what makes them upset, what makes them happy, all those things. Um, So it it really comes down to the instructor and the management, but I believe in my heart that every horse is a therapeutic horse. 
I like that. Now, because I, I believe that too, it just depends on unlocking that door and opening it up for them. Um, how, I think that horses and the people involved in, in the types of programs that you offer take their jobs very seriously. And every once in a while, you need to let your hair down and have a little fun as a reward. It's just like search and rescue dogs. Um, you know, they can only search for the horrible things for so long. Not that therapeutic riding is horrible, but, you know, we do tend to get kind of serious about this because you're impacting lives in, in very, very, very important ways. What kinds of things do you do to give yourself a break and have some fun on horseback? Do you go out for hacks? Like what kinds of stuff do you do just to kick your own heels up? Personally, my own, I, I try to have everything that I do with my horses is fun. Um, if it's from grooming, um, to riding them, um, I'm a big proponent of going on trails. Um, uh, I'm a big proponent of, um, playing games, uh, past the hula hoop, um, uh, having fun is the key to enjoying your horse. So uh, if you're not having fun, you you should be doing something different. I imagine where you live, there's some trails too. I just, <laughs> uh. Yes, um, there's, um, there's what I call woods walk. There are some great logging trails, um, but... Um, most of the uh, trails that we go on are, um, well, some of the trails that I, we go on are um, just through the woods, uh, kind of like a sensory um, trail. So there's blueberry bushes and uh, low pine trees. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of different areas to go through, crossing creeks, going up steep um, mountains, going through hay fields. Um, so, quite a lot of stuff, but it's not maintained in a way of um, some more traditional horse trails are. Now, you said that uh, uh used to compete, right? You used to do hunters? Yeah, uh, when I was uh, younger, when I was a teenager, I competed in the children's jumpers. Um, I did the national circuit as a children's jumper. Um, I did what the beginning of Marshall Sterling League. Um, I think I was in one of the first two or three years of that. And um, each week I would uh, go to a, a horse show, um, and um, they had like $2,500, $1,500 state classes. And I did quite well, and was actually able to support uh, my showing season for about a year or two. Oh, wow. That's cool. I, and mom and dad appreciated that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So now you're also a farrier, right? A barefoot farrier? Yes. Um, I started taking care of my horse's feet. Um, yes, I'm a barefoot farrier. When I worked for Michael Matz as a groom, um, he pulled all the horse's shoes um, after the, uh, the fall circuit. And part of our responsibility as a groom was to maintain the horse's feet. Um, so that was my first introduction to taking care of horses feet was as a groom. Um, so, uh, now I am a, uh, part-time farrier. That's cool. Yeah. You know, and you know, that's something that Jennifer can do. She, you know, just because she's been taught kind of like by farriers over the years. And it's just something that I think every horse owner should have some knowledge of just 
just because it's one of those things. It's the most important part of the horse, obviously, but uh, it's one of those things, you, you know, or maybe you're saying, uh, I don't want you to have any knowledge of it because then you're a pain in the ass. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Which one is it? Well, I think part of the great thing about keeping your horses barefoot is that you do um, get an opportunity to learn uh, about your horse's feet, and it's um, it's more difficult to keep your horse sound and comfortable being barefoot, and so part of the responsibility of the owner is to make sure that the um, horse's feet are kept up to date with and the trimming and um, become aware of some thrush issues and some other issues. I think sometimes when horses have shoes on, um, a lot of the owners just keep their horses on the schedule based on how long the horses have their shoes on. And if the horses look like they're losing a shoe, then they give a call to the farrier. So I think keeping your horses barefoot allows um, the owner to have a, a little stronger connection to the horses that they're working with. You got to do something really cool. Jennifer, when I first met her, was part of a group that would do a Christmas trail ride at the uh, Carlisle War College, which is the uh, main uh, college for higher level officers in the Army. So mm. they used to go to the Army base. They had permission to come onto the Army base once a year, and they did a Christmas ride, singing Christmas carols and stuff on the base. And it was usually snowy because it was in central Pennsylvania. But it's, mm. it says here you led a Christmas ride in Central Park, New York. That's got to be pretty cool, too. Yeah, it was uh, pretty exciting. For about two years, I worked at Claremont Riding Academy in um, Manhattan on the Upper West Side. It was the last riding school in um, Manhattan. Um, and, uh, I think it was like a couple of days before Christmas, they'd have a huge, uh, trail ride or, uh, a ride through Central Park for about two hours. And the first, uh, hour after the first hour, we stopped at uh, Tavern on the Green, um, hmm. and had some warm port and then um okay that's the life we just stopped at tavern on the green you know on the way by we parked the horses out front (laughs) i just had this fantasy of fox hunting through central park (laughs) drag obviously but you know i don't know there might be foxes tavern on the green would make a nice check (laughs) yeah yeah it was a great privilege and opportunity to do that it was uh fox hunting through um central park more or less there was about 20 or 30 Riders all dressed up in their whites, and um, the horses got served carrots on a silver platter, and the riders oh, got uh, cool. port in a, I guess, China. I don't. That's awesome. That is very cool. That's yeah. very cool. And and before I leave, can you fill my flask too? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's very cool. You're the only listener, I guarantee you, that is can say they've done that. Uh, that's very neat. Uh, it, it was open to the public, um, so there might be some people out there that might have done it. Well, but, now... Uh, I, I got paid to do it. Right, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> well, now let's, uh, let's go into your rapid-fire questions. Are you ready? Yes, I think I am. I've been thinking about these questions for a long time. Because um, you, yeah. I might change the answers. So. <laughs> well, now, before we do that, do you, does your farm have a website? Uh, we, uh, it's a more of a, uh, yes, fairhillfarmhorses.com. Okay. Fairhillfarmhorses.com. That's where people can find it. And Helena, are you ready? I am ready. Okay, Ben, here we go. 
we're going to start with my favorite question, which is what is your favorite food? Uh, my favorite food is food that is homemade and is brought to me. So <laughs> I'm, I'm often at the barn for many, many hours, and I love it when a student um, client brings me some homemade food. You better watch oh, what you say because I, I heard the newest craze in the United States, and there's a company that does this, and the lady actually was just honored uh, that started this company is insects, uh, that uh, insects are becoming more popular because they're so high in protein. Just no, 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 <laughs> no, and no, some more. No and grasshoppers for you? A dash of no. No, I, I don't think that would work. I, I eat enough insects on accident. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> catching horses, you get that. It's so that true. Bug in your ear or your mouth and most uncomfortable situation. It's so true. What is your least favorite food? Uh, bugs notwithstanding, what is your least favorite food? Uh, I love all kind of food, really, to be honest. So, But I think my least favorite food is overpriced, expensive food that is small in portions. It doesn't fill you up. Right. Being left, left unsatisfied. Okay. Um, equestrian or equine pet peeve. What really ruffles your feathers? You know, this question has been, I really love listening to the show because I love hearing people's pet peeves and I've gone through so many different pet peeves, um, trying to think about what's really upset irks me and because I'm in such different wear so many different hats as a barn manager and instructor and farrier it's quite difficult to come down with one but since it's rapid fire I'm going to say um, when people say their horse is a brat that's, ah. uh, that's a peeve because I, I don't think horses do things to people I think horses do things because of people and when I often hear that Stop being such a brat. I think that you can change the situation to make the horse feel more wanted. Have you ever owned a hackney pony? No, and I'm sure a hackney (laughs) pony is a pain in the neck and does some bratty things. But uh, you could possibly do some, yes. Well, you know, the term brat implies intent, and I don't... Mm -hmm. Now, there will be probably a few people who want to argue this point, and, and I think it might be a good argument to have, but not for this show. So mm-hmm. that's an aside. What I'm going to say, though, is I don't think that most horses intentionally um, behave in challenging ways for us. I think it's all about themselves. They're they're like the ultimate narcissist. The world revolves mm-hmm. around them, which is fine. They're animals. That's how it's supposed to be. As soon as we assign um, human, I don't want to even say emotions, but intent, our kind of logic and manipulation to our horses, I think you're right. We're doing them a disservice. Horses are just being horses. Sometimes they're easy to work with and sometimes they're not easy to work with. So I can appreciate your perspective on this. Definitely. Yeah. It's part of the uh, the the joy of working with the horse is trying to appreciate them when they're on point with you, and it's yeah. discouraging when they act bratty. But um, yes, that's my rapid fire question. That okay. uh, my biggest pet peeve is when people say, "Stop being such a brat." What career other than one with horses would you like to try? Uh, I think I would like to try being a uh, white-collar um, advertising agent. I okay, like that's advertising. a first. 
<laughs> Usually people are trying to get out of that into horses, and uh, that's a first. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. some, sometimes you just get tired of being dirty. That's true. <laughs> and cold and hot. And <laughs> yes. And eating bugs for lunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if, what's the most terrifying thing you've ever done, Ben, and would you do it again? The most terrifying thing that I think when I was a, thought I was going to die was uh, I was galloping a racehorse on the first time I was I was galloping a racehorse on the main track on um, and the horse took off with me about three times around the track did probably about three miles and I got so exhausted and couldn't stop the horse and I didn't know when I was going to fall off um, but fortunately I didn't fall off. Um, but I can remember the feeling of my body just shaking all over the place, just trying to stay on for as long as possible. And somehow I outlasted the horse and the horse got tired and lined up pulling up. You did the full eight seconds. Yeah. Plus some. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I would try it again. I think, um, yes, I would, I, I have did try it again, but that first feeling when the racehorse goes on the main track to exercise is much different than a horse that's exercising on the exercise track or yeah. doing galloping at home. If you could ask any one of your horses a question, which horse would you choose and what question would you ask? Um, I, uh, when horses go on the horse trailer, I'm wondering if they understand that they're going to someplace new, um, and how they're transported to another place. So I would ask them, uh, are you aware that you're, why are you going on the horse trailer? What do you think when you're on the horse trailer? That's Mm. an interesting question. We haven't gotten that one before. Very. Yeah. Well, and before, before we let you go, I, I just wanted to ask you too, how'd you hear about the horse radio network? I think I uh, found out about it on Facebook. I think uh, there was somebody posted that HRN was the number one uh, podcast in the world or the top one of the top five podcasts in the world. Um, and I said, oh, I got to listen to it. And um, I got it on, I looked, I searched for it on um, podcasts on my phone and there I found it and been listening to it for about two years now. Well, thank you for doing that. We really appreciate it, Ben. We appreciate you also being an auditor in the auditor room, contributing in there all the time. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. I look forward to hearing you guys again. Thank you very much, Ben. Take care. Well, Buck and I had the honor of speaking with Ben's dad, Arthur Goldberg, who was actually the person responsible for um, setting up Bear Hill Farm Therapeutic Riding Center in Pennsylvania. And he has a really interesting history and just a wonderful man. It was a great conversation. And you can find that episode at thatnewportshow.com. It's episode 20. The title of the show is Finding Balance in Little Compton. And um, it talks about all different kinds of balance, not the least of which you can find on the back of a therapeutic riding horse. So definitely check it out. Arthur Goldberg's a cool guy.
Well, up next for our Tack and Habits segment, we're going to welcome auditor and a good friend of the Horse Radio Network, Chantelle Mallinson. Now, Chantelle has had her hands in the equestrian retail business for quite some time. She is what I would say is an expert. Yeah, just hands down. Chantelle knows what she's talking about when it comes to tack and apparel. So she's going to talk to us about Perry's Premium Leather Halter. Let's welcome Chantelle. Welcome, Chantel, to the Stable Scoop Radio Show. I'm glad to have you back because we're talking about one of my favorite items to buy that I really never need, but kind of always wish that I did need one because we're talking about leather halters. And oh, yeah. you you tried uh, you tried one from Perry's, which is a brand that I love. Tell us about the Perry's soft padded leather halter. Uh, this is an absolutely beautiful halter. Um, it definitely, it's, when I first got it, I was not expecting it to be, um, well, I knew it was going to be a padded leather halter, and it has padding over the nose, um, over both cheek pieces and the crown piece. What I wasn't expecting was it to be colored, but it is this absolutely, the padding is this absolutely gorgeous, like a dark royal blue um, padding, and I know they have several other uh, colors also available, and it's with a more of a traditional uh, dark Havana um, regular leather uh, throughout. Uh, it's also completely um, with a um, heavy duty uh, brass um, brass um, metal, you know, fixtures and everything. Fixtures is the wrong word, but fittings, brass fittings. Fittings, yes. Thank there you, you go. Thank I'll help you, you out, Chantel. Yeah. Thank you so much, Glenn. You're welcome. So, so it has a brass fittings. Now, does it have uh, on the nose piece? Does it have the extra? Uh, does it have the extra buckle on the nose piece or not? Yes, it does have oh. an adjustable chin. Oh, cool! Um, adjustable chin, rolled, um, uh, rolled throat latch. I mean, just yeah, really, really nice, really oh. adjustable. That's cool, and I I I love when they have that uh, that adjustable nose piece. I really do. It's just a, and and I, we won't buy them without it anymore. Uh, yeah, I, I seem to always get horses with smaller noses for some reason, and then with the English chin, I'm always so afraid they're going to somehow. I know it'd be like one in a million chance, but stick a leg through there. You know what? I've known some of your horses, and you should be worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> now tell us what you may have said this but i i i was so involved in listening to what you were saying and then um prancing it around in my head what color mm-hmm. or did you get the color padding in the one that yes, you're trying I did. okay mm-hmm. which it's, color I did you it was considered royal um but it is like a dark royal although not like the same tone as like a navy um it isn't from from I would say fifteen feet away, I don't know that you would necessarily notice that it was a different uh, color. Maybe fifteen or twenty feet away, um, it is fairly dark, um, but it's it's beautiful. Um, and my guy that I'm using it on is a, is a kind of a bright chestnut. It looks amazing on him. Oh, I bet, I bet. So it's a, it's yeah. a subtle color change because you know we mm-hmm. we some of us don't like to. I mean, I do. I like lots of bright color, but not everybody appreciates. Well, they have it in black and pink, so you are all set. 
<laughs> I would want to get one of all. I'm one of every color. <laughs> I know they have. They yeah. have. They actually have black and pink, black and white, black and blue, pl- Havana and purple, turk turquoise, sky, which is probably blue, and, and mm-hmm. I, just all kinds of colors here. And they also do have traditional Havana, you know, and just plain Havana and plain black. It comes mm-hmm. in there. What? And you, did you get the horse size? Does it seem to fit? You know, size wise correctly. Yes, uh, I did get the horse size. I would say it fits completely true. Um, my thoroughbred is very typical uh, horse. All of his bridles are horse. I have him currently on um, on the crown piece on um, the uh, let's say the third hole. I would say on each side. Um, there's four holes per side, and then there's still room to like throw another hole in there before the padding happens. If you you know needed to do that on each side, um, but it does. Yeah, I would say it's very very true to size. Very good. So the ultimate question: Would you buy one of these for yourself? Oh, most definitely, most definitely. I think for the price, I honestly think it's um, it's worth more than what they were um, selling it for. It's it's one of the nicest Amish halters I've ever seen. It's much. Um, that's usually what I do buy is more Amish halters. I'm in Amish land where I live. Um, but this is, um, and they always do a good job, but this is like so well done. Um, all the details are so much nicer than what, you know, I usually, uh, you know, see with the Amish halters. And it's, it's just really high quality, heavy duty, um, leather. I mean, I probably would never turn out in this just because I don't think it's going to break easily. Uh, other than that, you know, um, but it's too nice to turn out in any, anyways. Now, this is definitely a show halter here. This yeah. is take your horses to yeah. the show and out out, uh, exactly. out on the town. Well, it's eighty nine ninety nine mm-hmm. at uh, com. Just search for Perry Soft Padded Leather Halter, and it'll come up. We'll put a link in the show notes and also on our Facebook page. Thank you, Chantel. We really appreciate uh, you you doing this for us and also for being an auditor. And enjoy your halter. Thank you so much, Helena. Thank you so much, Glenn, and enjoy your vacation next week. I will. I promise. <laughs> you can find Helena's new show. Where? You can blip in the garbage at this point. I am um, so burned out. I'm ready I for know. vacation. Poor Glenn. Take your vacation. You can find me and Buck at our new show, thatnewportshow.com. Whether you've been to Newport, want to go to Newport, or just think it's kind of a cool place, Check out the show. We talk about all kinds of things. And you know where you can find Stable Scoop. StableScoop.com. You know where you can find the Horse Radio Network, our app, iOS or Android. You know all the other shows in the Horse Radio Network can be found at HorseRadioNetwork.com. I am in vacation mode, so that's it for me, Helena. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> that is all for this week, but there will be more next week. Until then, happy scooping.